tuned in to the Bean Ninjas podcast, your go-to resource for scaling your e-commerce business. Whether you're just starting out or already hitting seven figures, we've got you covered with expert tips and real-life success stories from top e-commerce brand owners. Plus, we'll share our own accounting and finance experience to help you make smart business decisions. is brought to you by A2X Automated E-Commerce Accounting. We'll be sharing more about this product later in the show. With us today is Shaz Ahmed to discuss his unique career path into e-commerce from the fashion industry, as well as share some of the unconventional strategies he's used for customer engagement and growth in scaling his direct-to-consumer swimwear brand, Vechi. With 18 years of experience in the fashion industry, Shaz has built a strong background in designing and manufacturing swim and activewear for well-known mass market retailers such as H&M and Target, among others. In 2020, Shaz decided to venture into entrepreneurship, launching his own brand alongside his wife, who handles design and the creative aspects. Drawing from their extensive knowledge and insights gained from working closely with various retailers, they launched Vecchi with an aim to offer styles, fits, and colors that resonate with their target audience. I got to know Shaz in August of 2022 when he reached out to Bean Ninjas looking for an accounting partner to restructure his accounting systems and key workflows. Throughout the past nine months, the team has gotten Vecchi set up across Zero and A2X, transitioned Vecchi from cash to accrual basis accounting, and produced revised financial statements for 2021 and 2022 year-ends. We look forward to continuing to support Shaz and Vecchi for many years as their outsourced accounting department. Welcome to the show, Shaz. How are you doing and where are you calling in from today? Hi, Wayne. Thanks for having me today. Great to be on your podcast and to be signed out with Bean Ninjas. Calling from Los Angeles, California today. Awesome. Can you let our listeners know what was your experience with your prior accounting providers? Why did you choose our service? And how have things been different with your experience with Bean Ninjas? Yeah, so prior to Bean Ninjas, we were with another accounting firm that was online that was doing cash basis accounting. And that worked well for the first uh, couple of years. Pretty basic reporting. And then I think when we approached you guys last August 2022, mainly came from our lenders as we were experiencing growth in the business and uh, we were looking for more financing options or for growth. Our lenders were requesting that we switch from cash to accrual accounting. And that started the journey towards Bean Ninjas. Excellent. I want to touch base on your journey as an entrepreneur. You've made the jump from the fashion industry to become an e-commerce brand founder. What made you decide to go down that road? Yeah, so yeah, I've actually been in the fashion industry for about 18 years or so. Traditionally, we were manufacturers providing design as a value add to, to mass market retailers. And then I think it was in 2018, we actually started this fashion swimwear brand. So we decided to go down the road of entrepreneurship of the brand. Again, we were going to follow a similar business model, which was selling to retailers, providing a wholesale business model, and then also trying to do some sort of online, but we weren't f- fully e-com. 
And then actually it wasn't until the pandemic that, you know, business came to a halt in terms of wholesale and retail. And we actually had like a lot of stock in hand and we were thinking, oh, what are we going to do with all this stock? How are we going to get rid of it? And are we going to have to start another business or something? So it was a turning point, like I think for many, many people and entrepreneurs as well. Yeah. Well, what's been the toughest part of making that transition? It was all new. So, you know, to be honest, I think we were sitting for a few months with the stock thinking, how can we get this moving? I think all the contracts that we had signed around the start of the pandemic started to fall apart. Uh, deliveries were getting stopped or orders were getting canceled. Which, it, was, uh, it was a bit of a bloodbath. And then I think with a few months in, we said, oh, it's this e-com thing and we should really push the e-com. And we didn't really you know, know much about it. But then I think we sort of you know, spent, I'd say, a few months trying to delve into sort of marketing strategies and so on. How are we going to get rid of this? these items that we have sitting here in the garage. Excellent. So with those 18 years of experience in the fashion industry, what were some of the key lessons you had learned along the way that helped you in launching this swimwear brand? Yeah, I think like, well, quite a few lessons, but I'd say sort of in the wholesale business of selling to customers, retailers, it's, it's really about, you know, the customer relationship, building relationships with those customers. Sometimes as we call them buyers, you know, sometimes they move, move on to another company and then business suffers, but then you never know, maybe, you know, six months time, one year's time, two years time, they sort of, you know, come back with, with a new venture for you or, and that's all based on relationships. And then also the sort of, you know, relationships within your firm with the, with the staff, you know, employees are like really, really important to build that base, whether they stay or end up, you know, leaving. And another one is the supplier base having strong ties and commitments with suppliers. It's always not a easy road, but I think just, you know, having that relationship there. And then how did that translate into e-com? Well, now that we went into e-com, the customer is not sort of, it's not a B2B model. It's now a B2C model. So you sort of, it's a different type of customer, but you still have sort of the company side and the, and the aspects with, with, with the staff and employee retention and so on. But you also still have the side with the supplier. So it's really important to have that, that relationship. So we already had some sort of relationship with, with the suppliers. So going into the pandemic, when you know, a lot of things stopped, when, and people could go and meet and travel, I think still having that sort of you know, connection to a supply base helped us from an operation standpoint. And there's just, to me, it seems there's so many hats to be worn and roles to be filled within not only, as you've discussed already, some of the marketing efforts, some of the customer engagement efforts, some of the supplier relationships that need to be filled within a brand. Where do you fill in your role in particular in serving the brand? What hats do you wear? Yeah, that's right. Many hats for any entrepreneur. I think even in the e-com space, so I predominantly focus on operations daily operations and also finance. And then actually I have my partner who's my wife and she's actually on the design side. And then we together also sort of work together on the marketing side. So as we've grown, we sort of have focused on our strengths and brought in, you know, some team members to help on, on some of the other sides. But yeah, I mean, on a daily basis, there's many have to be worn. Was the split of responsibilities pretty clear when you and your wife decided to launch the brand? 
Yeah, I mean, that's right. We have been in the fashion business. I mean, I've been in it for 18 years. I think she's probably also well been in it for about 15 years. We've been working together for probably about 10 years. So it, it was pretty clear. <laughs> she's she's a creative and design one. And I'm sort of, you know, operations, finance, sales. Awesome. And getting, getting, getting things done from that perspective. Yeah. As an entrepreneur in the e-com space in particular, are there certain trends or changes that you foresee in the activewear swimwear industry? And how do you plan to adapt and stay ahead of the competition? Yeah, there's a lot of competition. And it, we do look at our competition and so on, but you can get overwhelmed by this stuff. I mean, fashion is quite fast moving, especially nowadays with social media and everything. So I, but I think I just try to hone it into the basics. You know, you really want to have a good product good quality product. And uh, you also need to have good creative from an e-com marketing perspective. So are these areas you're focused on helping to differentiate Vecchi from the competitors in the market? Yeah, we're quite specific. So right now we're a fashion swimwear brand and we specialize in underwire swimwear. So this sort of gives a good fit and lift to the customers, predominantly women wearing our brand. So yeah, I would say under underwire swimwears in colorful, in bold colors and and colorful and vibrant prints. Say that sort of distinguishes us from the rest of the other bikini brands. I would say. I want to dig into some of the unconventional strategies that you're using for customer engagement and growth. So let's jump through a few of these topics, and I'm interested in your thoughts. The first is around customer return rate and retention. So we both know that business owners need to understand their business financials and drill down on key performance indicators. For you, it's been customer return rate. Could you share more about your approach to measuring customer return rate and how it helps you make informed marketing decisions? Yeah, so over the over the years and seasons, we have a somewhere the seasonal business, so, you know, Spring and summer is predominantly where we're doing more volume, more sales, more engagement, typically because the customers, because of the weather, they're going to typically go to the beach or to the pool or to another event. So we measure this customer return rate, and it's something that we've been doing over the years. So we, we closely monitor it, and we found that over time, up to 30% of our customers return and make a second purchase within a 60-day period from their initial purchase. This allows us to understand the value of acquiring a new customer. And by knowing this number, we calculate uh, the cost of acquiring a new customer and use the necessary resources and marketing efforts to attract and retain the customer to become repeat buyers. Now, I think some other e-com companies or brands will call this um, LTV, life, lifetime customer value, which is sort of measured over a year. But given the seasonality of our business predominantly, Q1, Q2, Q3, such a long period would be irrelevant in, in making marketing spend decisions for us. So, so we actually came up with this sort of formula for ourselves. And is there a particular individual resource on the team that's responsible for measuring and capturing this metric? And are there any tools that you would recommend for folks to use to help them capture this? Yeah, I mean, uh, we actually have someone in our in our marketing team that actually uh, has done this over time, 
And we, we had to discuss with them at great length how to calculate it in specific for our customer because we know that, you know, that our customer has a sort of window and we can't miss that window. Yeah, I think it was, it was like a specific calculation done by someone within our team. I wouldn't necessarily say a tool that has been used, but yeah, it was something that we, we fixed to, to our, our particular firm. Awesome. And I know customer retention is a key focus for your brand. Could you explain yeah. some of the best practices you use to engage and retain your customers? Yeah, so we found that we're heavily involved in sort of, uh, you know, paid advertising, influencer marketing, which I'm going to go into later as well. But uh, we also thought that once we acquire these customers, we want to be able to serve them. So we, we with our marketing team, in the end, have come up with a sort of an email and SMS marketing strategy to keep our customers engaged and informed about new products and exclusive offers. So during our season, what we find is that we would send certain amount of emails to our customers, depending on the month. So I would say probably it would be any, any range between six to 12 emails per month, depending on the season and which month, and really just introducing new styles. Because for us, we're a fashion company. While we have our best sellers and those best sellers remain constant throughout the season, it is also good to sort of bring in new styles, which we do every week or every other week, and to inform our customers by email and SMS of these new styles. And this sort of, you know, brings engagement and traffic to our site, which has become a really effective tool from, from the other sort of traditional paid advertising and, and influencer marketing. Now, is this a skill that you brought to the team or is this a function that you've been able to identify and work with agencies or partners to help you manage? Yeah, so we were like growing the company in the beginning. We were sort of, you know, pushing the paid advertising and going into the the influencers. And then we sort of said, you know, we've got all this data of all these customers. We need to we need to be serving these customers. We don't need to be sort of, you know, paying any more fees to the to that we pay to acquire these customers. So yeah, we did actually end up signing up with someone, a team member that helped us to do email and SMS strategies, and then eventually went into sort of in-house slash agency as well. That helps us to do these and they, we share, they share the ideas with us and we work in combination to, to bring out a content calendar for email and SMS. So you're able to participate in a lot of that planning and allow them to really do their magic throughout the delivery. Exactly. We have to feed them the product, the creative. Yeah, that has a lot of work that goes into to the product and the creative. So yeah, we sort of, you know, feed them and then they do use their email and, and now SMS strategies, which which has actually proved really well for us. I think we have now, including uh, all types of email flows, because not necessarily campaign emails only, but all email flows, I think that can bring revenue up to a sort of 25 to 30% number, which, which is a great number, but has taken, I think probably taken about a year to, to get up to. But that was our goal in, in the last year when signing up the email. So you mentioned previously that both repeat purchases and customer return rate are the lifeblood of Vecchi. And I'm aware your review and rewards program 
seems to be extremely effective in increasing these repeat purchases. Can you provide some more details on how that program works and what incentives you offer to your customers? Yeah, so another important aspect of our growth strategy is the power of influencers and customers as influencers. So we actively encourage and engage with the customers to share photos of themselves wearing our swimwear. We call it Betchy Sunday. So if you tune into our Instagram on a Sunday morning, you'll see a lot of our customers who are now our influencers. And so this creates a sort of UGC situation where we ask them, hey, if you've got your Betchy bikini, please post a photo and, and tag us. And then they get drawn into sort of a competition, which we call, you know, giveaway Sundays, for example, as well. So they get into a competition where they can sort of get some products and so on. And this helps us to sort of find out who our customer is, helps us to build a strong supportive community around our brand, which is what we're really trying to do as well now on, on social media. So also creates sort of a sense of authenticity and relatability with, with the customers, especially because we offer like different sizes and, and styles. So we get a lot of this like comments on our products and what, what styles do suits me and what, what size. And so, yeah, it, it just brings a sort of community and interaction, which, which is what we're all about trying to sort of build this culture and community and have, have, have a constant communication to find out who, who really are our customers. Yeah. And I'm curious, do you have in that selection of influencers or in looking across those that you're able to really build those connections with. Do you look for shared values or is it more focused on the marketing aspect of largest followers? Have you found a, a good fit for who might make the best influencer for your brand? Yeah. So to be honest, it's still early days for us. Like we are investing in influencer marketing in all types, small, medium, large. We currently are not giving like, you know, large payouts because we haven't yet identified who would be the right type. You know, one would think, is it a swimwear model? That's what we thought at one point. We thought, no, actually, it's sort of, you know, your local girl on a reality TV show. So we now have brought in a management team within our team for influencers, and they are constantly reaching out to girls. We have an, you know, brand value chart or agreement that we, we look for, and we try to make it an exclusive part of, of our brand. And it's a partnership as well. So, and it can come in a variety of forms. It can come in us offering product to them or do some sort of affiliate marketing program, but it's really trying to find the right ambassador. And then also there's many levels. So, you know, it's hard to gauge sort of the influencer marketing strategy because you don't really know the outcome now or later, I think it's more leading up to building, building the brand, building the community. So we're in it for the long term and, and, and investment into influence marketing is, is something very interesting and different to sort of the paid advertising, which can be sort of more calculated in effect. Now let's hear about our sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by A2X automated e-commerce accounting. I'm the founder of Beanages, which is a specialist e-commerce accounting firm working with brands in Australia, the US and UK. 
We've tested all of the e-commerce accounting tools out there and A2X is a core part of our tech stack. I'm going to share an example of how we use A2X with one of our clients. This particular client sells swimwear, which they manufacture in Asia and sell in the US. Their sales channels are Amazon and Shopify, and they had a recent challenge where they were trying to get accurate financials for a loan and were struggling with this. When they moved over to Ninjas, they wanted accrual accounting, but previously their prior accountants had only done cash accounting. And because of that, it was difficult for them to show an accurate gross profit and net profit figure when they were presenting their financials to get the loan. This was mainly because of the lumpy stock purchases. Moving over to A2X and using the cost of goods functionality meant they could move to accrual accounting. We could then help them prepare their financials faster and ultimately they were successful in securing a loan. Check out A2X to automate some of the accounting work. Agreed. Shaz, is there maybe one actionable takeaway that you can share to our listeners on how to start an influencer program within their brand? Yeah, so I think it depends on the industry and just sort of, we started targeting small to medium-sized influencers. Now, we're in the fashion space. And what does that targeting look like? Is it an email? Is it a, a DM? It's, uh, it's, it's quite a manual process for now. <laughs> so it's a lot of work. It's a lot of searching. It's finding that right person, for example, on Instagram that you may be able to reach out to. In a DM, you have to give an, some sort of introduction. So for us, it's, it's about someone that can fit the brand. Now, how, how do we identify that? Well, we, we don't want just, we also have to see if they fall in line with the values. So speaking to other companies, I think, find out who's in your realm, who's in your space, who can provide value, and how can that partnership work together? But I would say, yes, it, it is a lot of, uh, manual work. And I know there are companies out there that could probably, you know, say, oh, we will do a lot of product seeding and we'll get a bunch of influencers and we'll send, you know, hundreds out and we'll get a sort of hit rate of, you know, 10 to 20% and that will translate into sales. Now that, that kind of model is, doesn't necessarily fit ours because we want to be selective about who, who we work with in terms of influencers and, and brand ambassadors. So I think each to its own, but it's definitely definitely a, a whirlpool out there in terms of influencer marketing. And it seems as though these influencers really at the heart of what they do is help you build and funnel in this community and, and launch w- within your brand a community of folks that are just organically having conversations and interactions with your product in mind. Could you maybe touch upon how you've been able to engage with and foster organic conversations and interactions with your customers? And how does that contribute to the overall success of Veggie? Yeah, it's it's really important, sort of the organic growth side of the business, which for us, really has been growing over the months, but especially we get into the summer months. So what, what we notice is more engagement as, uh, due to the seasonality. And then it fosters, well, for example, if we're going to bring out a new collection or new drop, 
we can either reach out to influencers or make a posting on our Instagram to see, do customers like these styles? Can we provide a better fit for you? Can we provide a better color? Can we provide a better print? So I think a lot of these, these strategies pay out, which boost organic reach and organic interactions for us. One thing we haven't spoken on just yet, but I know plays an important role, is the power of word of mouth and personal recommendations. How do those play into the growth of your brand in particular? And are there any notable examples of how your customers have become powerful advocates for the brand? Yeah, word, word of mouth. I think for us, like, we based our company out of California, out of Los Angeles. So I actually moved from the UK to, to Los Angeles. And why, why did we choose Los Angeles? Well, apart from us liking the place, we sort of thought it's, it's a key city, it's a fashion city, and we actually want to create more content in Los Angeles because obviously it's a great place. You've got, the, you've got the weather, you've got the beaches, you've got a crowd, you've got a lot of eclectic people, culture, food, arts. So we are, while we shoot content, you know, all over the world for, for product shoots and so on, we sort of want to home into having a sort of base and creating photos and content here. So, and actually having a base here. So I think having the office and the team, we see it as sort of a, a temple of, a, of culture or a cultural insight that we could all be together and share the, these contents and get to know our customers who are also quite a few in, in, in California itself and on, and on the East Coast throughout the country. But, and then moving on to that, trying to sort of do events to get our customers together and for us to get to know our customers, which will later translate into other products that we're going to drop such as sportswear and so on later this year which will allow us to sort of diversify our, our product range and our customer base. Was that making sense there, <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Absolutely. A absolutely. I, I think the, the opportunity to really showcase the brand in a hub that's so particular and so front of mind when it comes to beachwear is key. So Shaz, I do want to wrap things up with a bit of a rapid fire line of questioning. Is that going to be okay with you? Oh, yeah, go for it. Sure. Awesome. So first thing that comes to mind, what's a typical day look like for you? Typical day here is usually get to the desk at eight or 9 a.m. I will either have woken up a bit early to go to the gym. Most days, getting close to the weekend, maybe a uh, gym sort of after work, which would be after 5 or 6 p.m. And then it's just sort of getting in, <laughs> checking in, checking our, you know, we're on Shopify, checking our Shopify, checking our 3PL, our warehouse, seeing that everything is running smoothly on point, orders are going out on time and looking at sort of our returns platform, making sure that everything's going smooth on the return side. There's also the finance side that we have to sort of deal with, which relates to sort of 
uh, our product and inventory and suppliers. So it's like there's quite a variety of stuff going on, which are sort of these tabs on your computer. Luckily these days with e-com, you can just sort of, you know, check that everything's on point. And then there's obviously there's the Slack channel as well, where you sort of have your, you know, your team members there, other uh, different sorts of teams got customer care. There's, there's quite these quite different channels that you just sort of have to check into and make sure everything's all right. Once you do that, then you kind of screen it through your emails <laughs> and go through the emails. But there's sort of there's sort of a routine that one starts by throughout the day. Excellent. Do you have a go-to process, practice, or tool for being productive and effectively managing your energy and time? Probably the most important is sleep. <laughs> I would say, I would say, yeah, good night's rest. And then I just sort of like, I, I feel like in any business, you know, the work's not really going to stop. So you just sort of have to say, I want to check in at this time. And, you know, I want to do my whatever it is, six hours, eight hours, nine hours. And then I got to switch off because actually, you know, work never stops. And if you keep looking at your phone and the messages and it can be quite overwhelming. So you sort of just have to draw a line and take care of like your physical and mental health as well. Absolutely. Do you have any key books or resources that have really helped you along your journey as an entrepreneur? Journey as an entrepreneur? Well, I wouldn't say I've necessarily read books related to entrepreneurship or accounting. Although one book that does come to mind, and this doesn't have to do with entrepreneurship, but I found it quite an interesting read. There's a, the book called The Shantaram, which is, which is a book, I think it was an Australian guy, and he was sort of a convict, and he went to India and lived a different life there. And I think it's just, uh, at, at the end of the day, I think it just really relates to adversity. So I, w- I wouldn't say anything specific in terms of strategy, but I think adversity and never give up. <laughs> I think that, that's, awesome. that's the takeaway. So at Bean Ninjas, our mission is to create freedom for entrepreneurs through stress-free business finances. What does freedom mean to you? Yeah, I think, um, well, like, I think freedom means work, health, and faith. And, you know, if you can balance those things, then I think you'll be happy, you know. So on a scale of one, meaning just starting, and 10 ultimate freedom across those areas, how far away do you think you are? Oh, ultimate freedom. Wow. I think our goal is to like continue to grow. So I think there's going to be a lot of work. But like I said, you can start small. Even today, you just say, you know, I want to have a good work day. I want to be healthy. And uh, I want to have sort of a, you know, keep strong faith. Hey, Shaz, any final thoughts you want to share with our listeners? So I just wanted to give a final, final summary of what it would look like. And I just sort of grassroots at the foundations. And this is sort of like a hit list. So, but it's, it's more of a summary. So you want to have, you know, we're on Shopify, you can be on your, on your commerce platform, but we use Shopify and then sort of getting your 3PL in place. So you have sort of your dashboard for your 3PL. You sort of have your returns platform set up. Now, whatever that looks like, the returns go back to your main 3PL. 
sometimes you would have to have another returns warehouse, which is what we actually have. Uh, so there's a returns warehouse for that. Other foundations include sort of how your finance is set up, who, who your partner is, who your lender is for that. And that relates to sort of your inventory and your products and being able to grow. So sort of, you know, if, if you're selling out of those products, you want those to come back in stock. That relates to sort of finance and cash flow lending. Also, e-ninjas, having someone set up for accrual accounting. So these are all sort of partners that I wanted to say sounds like basic foundations. But once you get these foundations in place and they're rock solid, then you can look to sort of scale up on the front side of whether it be paid advertising, influencer marketing, email and SMS strategy, and so on. So yeah, that, that was the final point. Yeah, it's similar to building a house, right? You, you can only build from a strong foundation, or more so than a house, any relationship, really. I, I think, thanks for sharing kind of that, that roll up. I, I do appreciate, again, Shaz, the time we've been able to spend today together. And thanks for all your insights. Thanks. Thank you, Wayne. Thanks for being a part of the team. Take care, Shaz. Thank you. Are you tired of feeling overwhelmed with your e-commerce finances? Let Ninjas help you with our popular e-commerce toolkit, now available for both QuickBooks and Zero. With our forecasting templates, you can easily plan for the ups and downs in your monthly cash flow. And our other templates will help you stay on top of your finances with current reporting. And as a special thank you for supporting us, we want to give you this toolkit for free. Simply go to BeNinjas.com slash toolkits to grab your copy today and start taking control of your finances. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of the BeNinjas podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to hit subscribe to receive notifications of upcoming episodes. 